Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. I want you to tell these people today, Stephen, what the Lord led you and helped you understand uh, as you were calling on customers. Is this on? Yes. It is on. Um, anyhow, I was a, I had a unique week a couple of weeks ago. I was stuck in traffic, and I, I just thought, well, you know, this is a good time to pray. So I pulled out some uh, scriptures that I started to read and quote, and I just started thanking the Lord for, for um, all that he was doing, for his provision, for how he, you know, how he takes for us, how he's done everything for us spiritually, provided for our redemption, our forgiveness. He's given us, you know, everything that we need to do our Christian walk. But um, he also showed me in... in we know this, we know God provides, but he showed me in a new way that I, I'm a salesperson, and I don't really like going in and trying to make people buy something they're not really looking for. But, um, and now I'll, I'll, you know, a lot of times that seems kind of pressuring, but he showed me that he's already provided every customer and everyone that who, that who he is going to supply my, you know, who's gonna, he's going to supply me through, so to speak. And um, I realized it just turned on like a light, that when I go out and I do that, that he's not, um, I don't have to make something happen. All I have to do is be aware of him, and when I go call on customers and things like that, that all I'm doing really is going there asking, God, is this one that you've chosen to provide for me through? So it took a lot of pressure off of me having to feel like I've got to make something happen. All I'm there to do is just sit there and spy out and go in and take the territory that he's given me. So if that helps anybody, um, I just want to share it. Thanks. Great, that's great. You know, um, when you when you see things from that perspective, it sets you free to serve, because that's what all of us are here for, is to serve everybody. Else. Look, whether you're in ministry or business or whatever, we're in partnership with God. He's the boss. Amen? It's inconceivable to me that if the Lord has given you an assignment and you're being obedient to that assignment, it's inconceivable to me that he hasn't already orchestrated the funding of that assignment. It's not a matter of whether. It's a matter of us learning to trust and to look to him alone. Can I tell you something? He can change your world by sundown. Well, why don't I go through all these seasons of need? I honestly don't know the full answer to that, but I do know this, that out of need and the struggle that need places on us, there arises, issues come to the surface. And when the issues are on the surface, instead of hidden way down in the depths of our soul and we can't see them, then we're able to make a decision on dealing with them in the light of what the Lord would lead us to do. What about if I'm dealing with all the issues I know to deal with, 
Can I tell you, sometimes the Lord calls us into a season of not understanding. He will put you to the test. The Word says to trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own ability to understand. You're going to have seasons that you do not understand. And if you insist on understanding before you obey, you'll never get anywhere with God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own ability to understand. You are the Lord's, you have been the Lord's, you're going to be the Lord's. Understand that sometimes he calls us into a season of suffering and need sometimes can really have us by the throat. But there's never a time and season of suffering in the economy of God that there's not a resurrection. Resurrection always follows the crucifixion. There will be a new day. There will be a new way. There will be a new season for you that is not fraught and stamped with struggle. You are going to enter into a season where you will rise up with wings like eagles. You will mount up. You will run and not be weary. You will walk and not get tired. If you will continue to wait patiently on the Lord and fret not yourself, over everything and everybody that's prospering in their way. When that is not done God's way, the Bible says, he who sits in the heaven laughs. He knows and establishes his own way. May the Lord minister his spirits, impressions, and words to our hearts. Would you turn with me to the book of Galatians, please? The book of Galatians. As you know, we've spent several weeks into the book of Galatians. We spent a lot of time talking about the historical background of the book of Galatians. We spent a great deal of time talking about the human author of the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul. You might want to turn my monitor down just a speck. And... We, we talked at length about his background. All of those CDs are on the internet. They're being listened to by the thousands these days as we counted last. It's been a blessing. We've heard great reports around our country. We thank the Lord for it. Last time we began a two-part study here in Galatians about the principle, the, a case for spiritual covering. You know, you know, you don't hear the word covering very often, and when you do, it's not understood very, very often. Every believer, every believer, every minister, every ministry needs spiritual covering. This is not something that you look in a text and see, thou shalt be covered. You see a principle gleaned all through the Holy Scriptures, and especially in the New Testament. 
And I will briefly review for you where we got last time as we looked in, in chapter 1 of Galatians. We saw that Paul said in verse 15, when God separ who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, when he chose to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. I didn't go put myself with and under other believers. I didn't even go up to Jerusalem. That's where the mother church was. Remember, Pentecost happened in Jerusalem, in the upper room and on the streets and in the city and surrounding areas. He said, I didn't go up to mother church in Jerusalem, to those who were apostles before me. I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. I was back and forth from the Arabian desert into Damascus where I was on my road when I was stricken by the light of heaven and came to know Jesus. Then he says in verse 18, after three years, three years after my conversion experience, I went on up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days and saw no other except James, the Lord's brother, who by the way was, James was the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. And he saw, uh, when you read uh, that account in the book of Acts, you find that it didn't go so well when Paul went up to Jerusalem. People were afraid of him because of his reputation of incarcerating and having Stephen murdered. It didn't go so well. But good old Simon Peter, how many of you know that, that sometimes the more grace and forgiveness you've experienced, the more willing you are to forgive and embrace others, amen? Simon Peter was willing to see him. He introduced him to James, the Lord's brother, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, and a few others, but a, a wonderful man named Barnabas joined him, and, but it didn't go so well. They had to get him out of town incognito because he was already stirring up so much opposition that it was causing a problem for the leaders of the church in Jerusalem. They had to lower him in a basket over the wall at night to get the man out of there. So he went down to Antioch, and it was a whole lot more friendly there. And there he met up, as we read the book of Acts and studied last time, he met up with other teachers and prophets and men who were called out and operating in the office gifts of the church. And he came, the Bible lets us know that in those episodes with those brothers in Antioch, that he and Barnabas were sent out. They were commissioned. The leaders of the church laid hands on them. They went out, and if you continue to read the book of Acts, you'll find out that they begin to have great results. Then he says in chapter 2, then after 14 years, I understand that to mean 14 years after the three years that I went up to Jerusalem, 14 years after my initial trip, 17 years after my conversion, I went on up to Jerusalem again and took Barnabas and Titus with me. Remember, Titus and Timothy were young pastors that Paul was mentoring and sent out at different churches in the Roman Empire. So 17 years later, he went on up and humbled himself, and as you read the context as we did last time, you'll find out in verse 9 that James, the pastor of the church, and Cephas, that is Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, 
when they saw the grace had been given to me, they, that grace had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. The right hand of fellowship is symbolic of we welcome you, we believe in you, we endorse you, you have all that we have behind you, and we send you out. The Bible says they commissioned them and sent them out with that covering, that covering, that support, that encouragement, that endorsement, that connection, that mutual partnership. You're going to be reinforced by us here in Antioch, by the church. We're going to pray for you. You're going to have a team of warriors doing war on your behalf in prayer. You're going to have counsel when you need it. They affirmed him and endorsed him and sent him out. And then after that, his ministry took off. God used the Apostle Paul to impact the whole Roman Empire. He used the Apostle Paul to impact the church and to bring in a new age of the grace of God being received by the Gentile world that includes most of us here today. God used the Apostle Paul to write 13 books of the New Testament. Wow. But it's interesting to me that none of that happened until, and it took him 17 years to really hook up with, at the right time, with the right place, the mother church, and to be blessed and endorsed and connected and sent out. Then he shipped the word. What is this thing called covering? Here's a question for you. Are you covered? What is this thing? Let's get a definition of covering. Right up at the top of your outline, it is the ministry of the Spirit of the Lord granted to a seasoned, faithful entity to strengthen, affirm, equip, intercede for, counsel, and partner with. Wow. A believer, minister, or ministry for the benefit of the kingdom of God. The early years of my ministry, I didn't see any need nor desire for covering, and I'd operated out there by myself in ignorance. I didn't really want or seek covering, and then many years down the road when I began to see what the Scripture was saying, and by the Holy Spirit's direction, I saw that I needed to get myself under covering. Many years ago, I did that, and I can tell you, the ministry God has given Dina and me took off. There is a spiritual dynamic to this principle of covering that will happen for an individual or a minister or ministry. As you know, we are covering for 12 ministries here. It's one of our missions in Covenant Heirs. Why is it that we need covering? Well, it's because it's God's idea because of the way he sees us. Number one, as we said last week, he sees us as his children. And you know, every family has a head, or should, and our head is our Father. All of us are valuable to him, but he is our head. The Bible calls us his body. The Bible says there is only one head of the body of the church, that is Jesus Christ. 
He calls us the church, the ecclesia. The word ecclesia is the word translated church in the New Testament, and it means assembled believers. As I said last week, and I'll barely touch on it today, get the tape or listen to the CD or go online if you'd like. Many people today say, well, I'm a believer, and I don't need to be associated with any church. It is true, it is true that you can operate out there as a child of God, and it is true that He will love you the same, He will grant you the same measure of grace, that he, every promise of God is yes and amen for you. That is true. But as we saw last time in Hebrews 10.25, the word says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourself together with other believers, as is the habit of some. It is not a matter of salvation. It is not a matter of grace. It is a matter of obedience. And the Word tells us not to forsake that. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. It is God's plan for us to operate as a body, as a family. It is God's desire for us to be associated with other believers. Why? Isolation is lethal. Isolation is lethal. However it is that you, by the direction of the Holy Spirit and the assignment of the Lord, are supposed to connect with the faith body, it is a matter of obedience. I would hasten to say to you, if there's somebody in your life that you are grieved about the fact that they are so isolated, they never come and fellowship with other believers, be it a spouse, be it a child, be it a grandchild, be it a, a friend, be it a, whatever it is, you will do no good by trying to coerce somebody and even using the scriptures to beat them over the head. That will be counterproductive. It won't work. You should pray that the Lord of the church would give them the desire and the willingness to associate with other believers. The more you push it and insist on it, the less willing and desiring they're going to be to do so. What are you trying to say, Pastor? We're all in a process. All of us are in a process. Understand and accept where somebody is and pray that the Lord of the church and love and show grace at the same time be an example of obedience. The Lord sees us as his sheep. How many of you know that all of us as sheep need shepherding? Hold your place there. I want you to turn with me to John 10. I'm going to show you something about the heart of the Lord of the church. The heart of the Lord of the church is the heart of a shepherd. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. The epistles call him that great shepherd of the sheep. I also want you to know that the word shepherd in the New Testament in the Greek is the word poimenos, P-O-I-M-E-N-O-S. It is Shepherd, and I want you to know that the Lord Jesus in the 
economy of the church assigns different people with different responsibilities. Are you listening? Every one of us are equal in value. We are not equal in responsibility. And there are some whom the Lord has appointed and called out to shepherd, that is to oversee the flock, that is to, what do shepherds do? They feed. They feed. What, what, what does a spiritual shepherd do? Feed, minister the word of God. They oversee, they protect, that is they love you enough to tell you the truth so that if you're going off the bridge, they love you enough to say, thus saith the Lord, the word of God, don't go there. Even if it makes you mad initially. They feed, they protect, they encourage, they lead. They don't dictate, they don't control and manipulate. They lead by example. That's what good shepherds do. How would I know? Look, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Jesus, the Lord of the church, has appointed a shepherd, at least one shepherd, in every one of his redeemed sheep's lives. I, you, every one of us, because the chief shepherd has appointed it, have at least one shepherd that God has assigned, Jesus has called to be a spiritual shepherd over me, over you. Every one of us. It is not to control or manipulate. It is to protect and feed and encourage and lead. Amen? How would I know? How would I know? Well, let's look at John 10. Jesus is talking about his life as a shepherd. He says um, in verse 3, to the, to the shepherd of the sheep, the doorkeeper opens. And the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Can I tell you something? There are principles here that we need to go to school on. There is a familiar voice that is probably your spiritual shepherd. You know, I've had people come into this ministry and I've had people who listen on the tapes and stuff and say, man, I just can't get past that voice. Well, that's a good thing because I'm not assigned to be their shepherd. You know that well, listen to me, many of you are in ministry. Let me tell you something. Maybe you need to consider not asking God to send you all the sheep you can get. Maybe what you ought to ask God to do is to send you the sheep he has chosen and assigned for you to lead. Your shepherd will have a familiar voice. You will be willing to listen to the voice of who inevitably turns out to be one of or your shepherd because they're an assistant. They are 
operating through the agency of Jesus as a servant of the chief shepherd. A servant. So when you're trying to discern, where do I have covering? Where's the familiar voice? Notice what he says in verse 3. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Can I tell you something? Over time, you ought to be in a place where a shepherd knows your name. Well, Pastor, how in the world would that ever happen in a big church? Do you know that the scripture is very, very clear, and it says that Paul gave Titus and Timothy some great words that when they were to go in to minister to the church, that they were to appoint elders in every place. The word elder is the word presbyteros in the Greek. It means overseers. Every church, if we're following scripture, should have extensions of the shepherd. It may be an associate, it may be an elder. I want everybody that I have appointed as an elder of this church, stand up right now, right where you are. Stand up. I want everybody that I've ordained into the gospel ministry to stand up or raise your hand. These are all extensions of the shepherding of this ministry. Somebody needs to know your name. You know what that means? That means that we have to work at knowing who our sheep are instead of being remote dictators that are just trying to run a company. Amen. We need to invest our heart into others who will be extensions of shepherding. Thank you. It is physically impossible for every shepherd to know all the sheep by name when the church gets to a certain stage, but there should be and is in Scripture an extension of the shepherding of the Lord through those designated by the head of that local fellowship. Assistant shepherds, David. Let's notice what else Jesus said. He leads them out. All of us need to find somebody, a spiritual shepherd, who is a leader, a spiritual leader. I know my spiritual shepherdship, and many times I've gone and I've asked and felt out in a decision I was going to make. And he almost never tells me what I ought to do or not ought to do. He just asks questions and listens. And I begin to get a sense as, if I, as I hear the voice of God more clearly, I get a sense that I ought not to do that or do that yet. You with me? How many of you know that the greatest leadership there is 
are leaders who have learned to ask the right questions because you will always get better leadership when you self-discover than when somebody's talking down to you and telling, do this, do that. Amen? By no means will, verse 5 says, will they follow a stranger. So begin to listen. Ask the Lord of the church, where is it that I am supposed to find the covering of shepherdship? Because I want to show you something. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians, over toward the back of your New Testament, chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. Do you know that I had been a believer for about 40 years, and I had been in ministry for about 26 years before I even heard this term. And it's right there in the Holy Word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. We urge you, brethren, to recognize. You can't recognize if you can't be found. I want to say that again. I can't cover you if I can't find you. <laughs> I, I'm not griping. That's just a fact. All right, now, verse 12. We urge you, brethren, to recognize, find out, see to it, those who labor among you, that is spiritual labor, and are over you in the Lord. Oh, man. When I finally saw this, and I submitted to those who were over me in the Lord, my life, my ministry was multiplied. And who admonish you. You know the word admonish means to instruct you or warn you. It means who love you enough to tell you the truth. And, verse 13, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Can I tell you something? If you want to criticize or judge those who are over me in the Lord, I don't have much time for you. Those who are over you in the Lord don't get everything right. Can I tell you something? As somebody who walks in a place of spiritual leadership, we got faults, man. We've got issues. We got stuff we have to deal with. I miss it. I fall short of it. But how many of you know God has chosen to use position more than he uses personality? Personality has flaws, but position is designed by God. I, was, I accepted a call at 14. I'm 64 now. I've got a little seasoning. Can I tell you something? i got people who are over me in the Lord. I have spiritual oversight. Do you know what? My name is on this ministry. 
But we have administrative elders. Can I tell you something? I can get fired today. I've had people look at me puzzled. You mean, you're the founder of this ministry? You've poured your whole life into it? And you've got a group of guys who can fire you? Sure do. They could fire me before sundown. If I operate unethically or immorably, immoral, Im, I looked over there at Dina on the word immoral, and I, my, my mouth, I got all garbled. You know, I wouldn't do that to you, sweetie. <laughs> if I act in an immoral manner or an unethical manner, I can get terminated from my own ministry today. Today. I have ministry elders to whom I'm personally accountable. Can I tell you something else? I've never told, I, I, I don't ever talk about this. And I, rarely has anybody who's been around me very long. I don't have one single vote as far as my own compensation as the founder and pastor of this church. I don't even have a vote. Not a vote. Now, I can take less <laughs> and do most of the time, but never more. I want you to know that. All of us need accountability. Is that fun? Can I ask you a question? How would you like to start your own business and give your life to that business and then have to select a group of people who could fire you and have every right over every compensation that you would ever receive? How would you like that? Not a matter of whether you like it. The fact of the matter is all of us covering all of us need covering and you know what happens when you submit to covering not control and manipulation you get a freedom and you get a support system and you get an encouragement and you get a connection that is incredible thought you needed to know that. There are those who are over us in the Lord. Let's look on. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5. To truly follow the Lord, we have to submit to the right leadership, shepherding. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 1, the elders, that is, those in places of spiritual leadership, and I believe, according to Scripture, Acts 14, Titus 1, 5, I believe elders are to be appointed. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about it. You can believe whatever you want to about it, but I see where Paul told Titus and Timothy to appoint elders in every place and where he himself did it uh, as, by example. The elders, verse five, chapter 5, verse 1, the elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder, Paul says, I'm a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Look at verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God, 
If you're in that place of spiritual eldership or leadership, you are to assist the shepherd in doing what? Praying for, encouraging, leading, being example to the flock. None of us are perfect, including yours truly. It doesn't happen. We are following a perfect shepherd, though. Amen. Shepherd, the flock of God who is among you, serving as overseers, those who look over the needs of the, of the sheep, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, not to be recognized or to receive any kind of material deal, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but by being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, this is all about shepherding, then you will receive the crown of glory that doesn't pass away. And you younger people, that is spiritually younger, submit yourselves to those who are spiritually more seasoned and, and older than you. All of you be submissive to one another. Wow. Why would he say that? Well, all of us, genuine coverers, genuine shepherds, make mistakes. We're not perfect. And the Word's telling us here to be humble and to be transparent. I want you to turn with me back to the left to the book, book of Hebrews, and I want to tell you something interesting while you're turning to the book of Hebrews chapter 13. Do you know that Paul's covering the Jerusalem church and the Antioch church, the spiritual leaders including the apostles, those who had seen the Lord? Do you know that on one occasion, Simon Peter, who had become a friend and was part of Paul's covering, came to Antioch and was corrected publicly by the one of the persons that he was covering. Now, uh, hold your place there and y'all not follow me now. Hold your place there in Hebrews 13. Turn back to Galatians 2. I want to show you this. you there? Chapter 2, verse 11, now when Peter, one of the founding members of the church of Jerusalem and an apostle, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem, he would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision, that is, fearing that those who believed that in order to walk with Jesus and be a Christian, you not only had to receive grace by faith, but you had to, certain, you had to perform certain acts of the law. He was mixing the law with grace. And I confronted him, Paul says. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him. Even Barnabas was carried away with it. But verse 14, when I saw they were not straightforward about the truth, of the gospel that is the grace of Jesus being everything needed for salvation. I said to Peter in front of all of them, if you are a Jew, live like a Gentile that is with the freedom of Gentiles and not as Jews, why would you compel a Gentile 
to go back under the law when you don't even live under it yourself unless they're around. Do you think that was a little exhortation right there? What I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes when it is a principle of the word of God and the character of the grace of Jesus, even coverers are, make mistakes, do it wrong, and have to be corrected. Well, before we get to the Hebrews passage, how do you think that worked out? Let me show you something exciting. Turn to the back of your Bible to 2 Peter. How do you think it went? All right, now remember that this book right here, Galatians, was written in the mid-50s A.D. Somewhere around 55, 56 A.D. How did Peter take to being corrected by somebody that he was actually part of covering for? How did he take it? 2 Peter. Chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter's talking about standing firm during time of suffering, and he says in verse 14, therefore, beloved, look forward to these things, be diligent to be found by Jesus in peace, without spot or blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved Brother Paul. How do you think he felt toward Paul? Is this revelation or not? I consider him a beloved brother. Sure, I had to receive correction. He is a beloved brother. According to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also, listen, in all his epistles, speaking of them, uh, in them of these things some things are hard to understand which untaught and unstable people twist to their own description as they do the rest of the scriptures do you know what Peter was saying this is my beloved brother and God has given him wisdom and he has under the direction of the Holy Spirit been inspired to pen scripture power of covering, the authority, the beauty of correction. Now let's end with chapter 13 of Hebrews. I'll get there in a minute on my wonderful bookmarks. Keeps giving me a falling out all over the place. Not the bookmarks part, but false man. Okay, Hebrews 13. Are you there? Verse 7. Remember those who rule over you. The word in the Greek there means those who lead you. 
who are looking over you and the Lord who has spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. Now going down to verse 16. Do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Follow, obey those who lead or rule over you. That is, God places certain people in the church to make spiritual decisions. Obey those who lead you, rule over you, and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. That is, the Lord Jesus has assigned somebody or somebodies to be in a place of responsibility for watching out in prayer, in encouragement, in the word, for your soul, as those who must give an account. Let them, those who have that responsibility, do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Notice that every one of us are to be submissive to those who are in places of spiritual shepherding. And those who are in places of spiritual shepherding notice that we're to be humble and we have a responsibility to watch out for souls. Do you know something haunts me? I am going to look into the eyes of the chief shepherd. And I am going to give an account for I, how I have looked out for the souls of those sheep that he has granted me to shepherd. It is an honor, it is a privilege, and a joy, and I'd never do anything else nor want to do ever. But what a sobering thought. Are you undercovering? Have you gotten close enough to identify the shepherd that that the Lord is assigning you. You just do what the Lord tells you to do. Don't let some sales pitch of how wonderful you are and how great it is and how we love to have you. You follow what the shepherd of your soul tells you to do. And look for that connection. When you are undercovering, you have shepherds with skin on, that is somebody that can relate to you and have compassion for you because we understand how tough it is. You have a valuable weapon when you have a faith family versus the devil and the deceit of isolation. You always set yourself up for failure when you isolate yourself and think that you have it all and can do it all. You have reinforcement troops for your warfare. Boy, do you ever, there's going to come a time when you need that. Affirmation and endorsement from a seasoned and stronger entity who are not more valuable than you but have a different responsibility. A network of prayer. I'm about to assign people in this fellowship who are going to join me with an assignment under the direction of Mike and some of our elders to be the prayer covering that will assist me in developing a network of 
any and every issue that you are willing to share for the prayer of the, the body. You have a mutual partnership and shared anointing. I mean, have you know the word says that if you will enable, if you enable a prophet, you will receive the prophet's reward. You know that? If you have been assigned, if you have been assigned by the Lord to assist a shepherd or somebody in spiritual leadership to get done and to partner with them, you're going to get their reward. There are people in this room today who believed in us and walked with us and partnered with us over multitudes of years when Jesus sees you face to face in heaven, you are going to get my reward. In every life that's ever been touched by this ministry, you will get that reward. Jesus said, if you just serve a prophet and give him what he needs, give him even a cup of cold water in my name, that is because I've led you to, to assist him to do what he needs to do, you will receive the prophet's reward. Oh, hallelujah. It is a partnership that is in the spirit realm that God sees to it. Greater resources, greater tools for your labor. Experience without having to make the mistakes that your mentor made. A safe place where you can be transparent, and even though you are transparent, it never changes how you are loved. Amen. Well, how do I do it? Get before the Lord. Ask the Lord of the church, your Savior, your Lord, your shepherd. Ask him to reveal how important covering is to you. And then take some steps to do it. At least begin to investigate. Get in the process. Beginning to investigate things that, like, like we talked about in, in John 10. Find where you're connected in your spirit man. There are times when I, I, you know, my particular covering, because I'm doing what I'm doing, I, I don't hear sometimes for prolonged periods, but I still hear his voice in my inner man when I am still. Familiar voice, desire to connect, and then settle it. Invest, make a firm and official decision to commit to starting the process of connection. You know, a lot of faith families have great things. It's a great thing to join a, a church. It's a great thing to fill out a form or go to a class or get hooked up with. That's a great thing. That really is. That's a great thing. It invites you to make an investment into something and makes you feel like a part of it. We don't do that here. Not because it's not a good thing. We minister mostly to mature believers, leaders out in the business and ministry world who are impacting people for Jesus. I don't see anything in the New Testament that says 
that I have to fill out a form and go to a class. All that's good. I, I believe in every bit of it. And every church out here is doing a wonderful. I am not in competition with anybody. I praise God for them. I do. I think it's absolutely wonderful what God's doing across this church. It is marvelous. I'm for Jesus. I'm for his church. Amen? So if I feel like that this is where I'm supposed to receive coverage, what do I do? You just keep on listening to the Lord. You keep on coming under his word. You keep on obeying him as he leads you to come and worship, make a commitment to pray. And you make a commitment that if the Holy Spirit gives you the resources and the desire, you invest in what God is doing here. We don't take up offerings. We don't have altar calls where people make, all of that's great. It's wonderful. Jesus is going to do it here. We'll do it next Sunday if the Spirit of God says to, though. I can tell you that right now. He's the boss, not me. You are to go out now and evangelize. I'm to equip you and you are to make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in Jesus' name and in his word. Let's all stand. Are we learning anything? Are you beginning to understand this wonderful principle of covering? as we go I surrender all sing it together Father, we bless you and praise you that you have sent forth that great shepherd of the sheep, that you have assigned servants, assistants to enable you to cover your sheep in prayer and encouragement, in love to invest the word and the spirit of God. May everybody here who hears this, Father, in person, and the vast number who listen electronically, may they seek to know where you have assigned covering for them. Partnership in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may they be diligent to hear and obey you. In Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen. Look forward to seeing you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.